You're listening to IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service. Welcome to the reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald for uh, January 21st. Support for this reading comes from the Dupaco R.W. Hofer Foundation. I'm Lois. And Helen. And here is your first story. Support for Sobriety When when Sherry Henges moved to Liberty Recovery Community in June, she wasn't sure she would stick around. Henges, 38, of Dubuque, was in the early stages of recovery for an alcohol abuse disorder that began in high school. While the recovery facility offered a safe, sober space to support that journey, it also required some difficult introspection about past decisions that led her there. In the end, it was the center's other residents who convinced her to stay. I would not have stayed if it weren't for them, Henges recalled. They've become my people, my tribe, It's a very supportive environment because at the end of the day, we're all going through the same thing. Upon reflection, Henges said the decision to stay has changed her life. Despite initial tension, Henges formed a solid relationship with her case manager at Liberty Recovery Community, a nonprofit that offers affordable, sober housing and related services for individuals in recovery. She has forged friendships with other residents and established care with an area mental health care provider to aid in her recovery. But perhaps the biggest change of all is the renewed sense of hope she has for the future. When I was a a super young, I wanted to be a veterinarian or a doctor or something like that. But once I started drinking, it was like nothing mattered anymore. I didn't really foresee a future, uh, said Henges. Now I can see myself building a future and getting more out of life. Substance abuse disorder remains one of the most prevalent mental health concerns nationwide, affecting roughly 17% of U.S. people over 12 years of age, according to the most recent national survey from the Federal Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Area advocates, however, maintain that community and institutional stigma against individuals working toward recovery remains relatively high in the tri-state area, despite a similar, similarly high social tolerance for certain substances such as alcohol. To begin to fill that niche, peer support programs have taken root in the area to address the growing needs of local individuals working to, toward sobriety. Such programs not only help individuals Uh, area experts attest, but also the community at large. Reducing stigma and offering hope is sometimes all it takes to get people on the right foot, said Ellen Shart, Director of Recovery Services at the National Alliance on Mental Illness, Dubuque. It's a heavy door to open the first time around, but it's more than worth it. Substance abuse applies broadly to a pattern of behavior 
in which use of a given substance is causing significant challenges for the user or people around them, said Michael Porosky, care of the psych chair of the psychology and psyche at psychiatry department at the Dubuque-based Medical Associates. Porosky said many people have a perception that addressing a substance use concern is an issue of willpower. While a true desire and motivation to recover is necessary, he said, there also are other biological, psychological, and social factors to consider. A lot of how the deck of our success is stacked in terms of how we use or don't use certain substances is out of our control, he said. It's not as simple as just white-knuckling through it, because we all have a different deck to work with. The biological and sociological components refer to any co-occurring physical or mental concerns that affect an individual's drive to misuse a given substance, such as drugs or alcohol. Henges, for example, has been working with her mental, care, mental health care provider to bolster her coping mechanisms in the face of stressful situations, either at work or at home, in healthy, more constructive ways. I didn't used to understand all the medical stuff behind addiction and alcoholism, she said. When I'm unhappy or stressed out, that's when I want to drink, so I'm working on that so I don't go back to that old way of thinking. One recovery method growing in popularity across the tri-state area and beyond is the peer support model. Under that model, individuals who have been successful in their own recovery, in their own recovery process return as mentors or coaches for people who are earlier on in that journey to provide an extra level of assistance and acceptance. According to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, peer mentors have been shown to bolster connection and inspire hope for people early on in the recovery process by subduing fears of stigmatization or shaming. Shart's work at uh, NAMI Dubuque is one local example. Last fall, NAMI Dubuque began offering its All Pathways Peer Recovery Group. The twice-monthly program is led by peer mentors and offers a space to discuss the realities of co-occurring substance use um, and mental health, uh, mental health concerns. While difficult, Porosky said recovery from substance abuse comes with a host of benefits. There are obvious benefits to the individual's physical health, he said, as well as long-term improvements to their mental well-being. Sobriety comes uh, with the ability to regain relationships previ previously lost to addiction. Uh, societal costs of, al of tobacco, alcohol, and illicit drug use total over $532 billion a year nationwide, according to data from Georgetown University's Health Policy Institute. Simpson, uh, and, and residents are encouraged to keep an open mind when they hear someone currently is, is or previously has struggled with substance abuse. 
You're a different person in recovery than you are in addiction, he said. That can be hard for both the individual and others to accept, but it's absolutely true. Woman Shovels for Neighbors in Need When a series of winter storms dumped over two feet of snow in Dubuque earlier this month, Sarah Burley bundled up and went outside to shovel not just her own driveway and sidewalk, but those belonging to two of her neighbors as well. Burley and her family are members of DBQ Shovel Crew, a city of Dubuque program that pairs residents who are physically or financially unable to shovel their sidewalks with volunteers willing to do the job. McDonald, the McDonald, the Dubuque Shovel Crew program is in its third year. Eligible participants for the program must own their own residence be physically unable to remove snow and meet some income guidelines. Volunteers are then paired with each resident and show up to shovel the snow from their sidewalk and driveway within 48 hours of each snowstorm as per city code. Burley signed up for DBQ Shovel Crew after seeing it advertised in a city mailing with a utility bill in 2022. Burley and her husband, Mike, work together to shovel their neighbors' driveways and often bring along their two sons, ages 9 and 11, to help. I want my kids to know that being part of the community means that you have to help, and I want them to carry that throughout their life and incorporate that into something they do all the time, she said. Anytime you can lend a hand, hand to someone, it's a wonderful thing. And Dubuque is offering age-in-place grants for older residents. Older Dubuque residents are invited to apply for grant funding to help them remain in their homes as they age. The City of Dubuque offers grants to help pay for home grants modifications that address safely concerns for older residents, like installing grab bars, converting bathtubs to step-in showers, moving switches to more accessible locations, and completing floor repairs to reduce tripping hazards. To qualify, residents must be at least 62 years old and fall below 80% of the area's median income. According to a news release from the city, that income threshold is $51,900 for a single-person household and $59,300 for a two-person household. To apply, residents can submit an interest form at tinyurl.com forward slash age in place dbq. Discussion on gun violence focuses on hope, action. About 60 area residents, including grandparents, teachers, parents, and lawmakers, packed into a room on the lower level of the Carnegie Stout Public Library on Saturday morning to discuss gun violence prevention. The event was hosted by Moms Demand Action, Dubuque chapter leader, Andrea Ebo 
and Iowa Representative Lindsey James, Democrat Dubuque. Participants discussed potential solutions to gun violence and ways to advocate for what Ebo called common sense gun laws in the wake of a school shooting in Perry, Iowa earlier this month. There, a 17-year-old opened fire on Perry High School, killing 11-year-old Amir Jolif, Principal Dan uh, Marburger, and injuring six others. Participants also spoke passionately about how gun, gun violence has impacted their lives. Attendee Terry Morton, 56, of Dubuque, said she quit teaching about seven years ago. Of the 21 students in her last class of fifth graders, she knows of seven who have been directly impacted by gun violence since then. I have a three-year-old grandson and I'm terrified of what his life is going to be like, Morton said at the event. Also at the discussion was Kelly Lisi, 41, of Dubuque, whose story brought many attendees to tears. She said she survived a shooting at her former high school because she was off campus during lunch. Back then, intruder drills and lockdowns were not a norm, she said. My kids now regularly experience lockdown drills. They don't yet know my history, that I was a junior at Columbine, Colorado High School on April 20, 1999, when school shootings became synonymous with my school's name, Lisey said. I haven't yet told them, and I won't for a few years still, because I know it will be personal for them. I know they will feel the extra weight of reality on their small shoulders when it's their turn to pretend, pretend that an intruder has entered their building. <coughs> she said she is still heartbroken over the Columbine shooting and that pain is compounded by other school shootings like the one in Perry. Ebo said in an interview with the Telegraph Herald that she was glad to see so many residents show up to learn about gun violence prevention and what Iowa gun laws are. I think a lot of changes have been made to Iowa's laws in the past few years that people are not aware of, Ebo said. It's really important to educate ourselves on what Iowa's gun laws are now because they are not what they were five years ago. One of those important law changes, Ebo said, was in 2021 when the state eliminated its permit requirement for carrying guns in city limits. She also encouraged those interested in the topic to participate in the local Moms Demand Action chapter and invited attendees to stay involved in gun violence prevention efforts. I think that we are reminded in this room that when you just look around how many people are here about this issue, there is power just in this room to really shape change and influence policy, James said at the event. Why I'm Retiring and Why I'm Not by Bob Woodward. As many of you know, December 31st was my last day as publisher of TH Media and Vice President Community Media for WCI. This succession planning has been in place for a long time and I'm glad to see that it's pretty much going as planned. While the timing was right for me to transition to semi-retirement, I still have a lot of interest and concern in local journalism, and we all should, and to want to continue to support the industry and our communities as much as I can. With the continued competition for advertising from the 
big tech companies, think Google, Facebook, and Amazon, and the rise of political division in the country, local good news sources remain one of the foundations of a functioning democracy. With the heavy pressure on advertising revenue, Google, Facebook, and Amazon now take almost 70 cents of every digital advertising dollar, the industry has steadily been turning to a third leg of the stool for revenue. In addition to advertising and subscriptions, philanthropy or donations are taking a greater role in the sustainability of local journalism. My new role will be to raise awareness and money to directly support local journalistic positions. Studies show that when newspapers cut back on reporter positions or go away entirely, fewer people run for office, fewer people vote, there is less oversight of government and businesses, and community members are less informed. The stakes have never been greater, and I'm excited about this new role in my semi-retirement. The need is too important to go unmet. We've worked hard at TH to add new options for our readers and communities while also trying to manage growing expense without affecting the quality of our content. Please continue to support the TH with your advertising and your subscriptions. I hope you'll also consider a donation to the Local Journalism Support Fund and an investment in our community and a, the role of free, local, independent press plays in an informed citizenry and democracy. Iowa governor's plan to trim boards, panels, would diminish podiatrists' representation. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds recently put forth a proposal to the State Boards and Commissions Review Committee, which could result in a bill in the current legislative session that would reduce the state of Iowa's boards and commissions from 256 commissions to 145. We, the podiatric physicians of the Dubuque area, are concerned about this recommendation which was made in the name of reducing bureaucracy within the boards, but could possibly compromise the health and safety of Iowans. As doctors of podiatric medicine, DPM, we are physicians and surgeons who focus specifically on treating disorders of the foot and ankle. We have the same number of years of education as MDs and DOs, including residency, and all of us are board certified. Our specialized focus on the foot and ankle allows us to offer personalized care that is crucial in the healthcare system, such as surgery, sports medicine, wound care, pediatric care, and diabetic care. Governor Reynolds' current recommendation moves the Board of Podiatry under the Board of Medicine which has 10 members, five MDs, two DOs, and three members of the public. The recommended changes would reduce the board to seven members, and podiatrists would not be represented on the board. The Board of Podiatry would 
instead be reduced to a three-member advisory subcommittee, a significant deviation from the national standard, as only three other states have a similar advisory board system. While achieving the stated objectives of streamlining the number of state commissions, the lack of podiatric representation on the Board of Medicine would compromise the ability of podiatric physicians to be governed by their peers. This lack of representation could negatively impact the oversight of podiatric issues in the state, <clears throat> including licensing, scope of practice issues, and decisions regarding discipline of physicians. We feel that board decisions impacting these issues and procedures should be made with the guidance of similarly trained peers with a full understanding of the training and standard of care unique to podiatrists. Furthermore, the current Board of Medicine meets bi-monthly for two days at a time. Reynolds' proposed consolidation adds the work of five currently independent boards to the Board of Medicine, the Board of Physician Assistants, Board of Podiatry, the Board of Respiratory Care and Polysomography, Board of Speech Pathology and Audiology, and Board of Medicine altern Alternates, <coughs> which will result in a longer, more numerous, and possibly more complex meetings. In summary, we, the podiatric physicians of the Dubuque area, feel that the current status with an independent board of podiatry is the best cho choice for the health and safety of our patients, in addition to being the most efficient choice. If consolidation is the chosen path, we feel that it is imperative that the legislature include a designated seat for a doctor of podiatric medicine on the Board of Medicine. This was written by Robert Kelsey, Dubuque Podiatry, in, in, uh, in the name of other podiatrists in Dubuque. Uh, letters to the Editor by Marie Chenery. I appreciate the attention the cat overpopulation problem that the TH brought to the community in January 5th article. The article stated that the Dubuque Regional Humane Society, DRHS, is hoping to increase the amount of sterilization surgeries offered by using volunteer veterinarians. This might help in the short term, but is unrealistic for the long term. My husband is a high-quality, high-volume HQHV spray-neuter veterinarian. In preparation for moving to Dubuque in 2022, he emailed DRHS, hoping his expertise would be of use. His email went unanswered. My husband also called six Dubuque veterinary clinics, hoping they might want to increase the amount of sterilization surgeries they offered to the public. Only one vet veterinarian returned his call and had no interest. It doesn't appear that the Dubuque veterinary community is interested in being a large part of alleviating the pet overpopulation problem. Though adding affordable sterilization surgeries to its offering is a fabulous way to gain new clients, I hope the article will help these vets realize that they can be the solution along with education and the work done at the DRHS. Another another letter to the editor. Cheers for better coverage of Clark Woman's team 
by Don, Don Dunwoody. Several weeks ago, I had written a letter to the editor about the lack of attention for the Clark women's basketball team. Since then, you have shown that you listened and cared about what we were saying. I would like to thank you being there for them. People need to know that you acknowledge the concern and have wrapped your arms around this opportunity to enjoy the ride. And another letter. Generous donations help local nonprofits by Jean Peterson. In late December, the Telegraph Herald reported that, De that Dubuque had been named the most charitable city in Iowa. I want to credit the TH for frequent and excellent coverage of the work of the many local interfaith nonprofit organizations whose complementary and supplementary social missions work together in this city to heighten awareness of these cooperative outreach ministries to people in all aspects of life. I am convinced that it is this local publicity which supports the charitable giving of citizens of Dubuque. Thank you, TH. We at St. John's Lutheran Church are among grateful recipients of some of these charitable contributions, especially to our almost home open closet and guest shelter ministries. We thank you, Dubuque. You are listening to the Dubuque Telegraph Herald on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind and Print Handicapped. Your reader is Lois and Helen. If you have any comments on this or any IRIS program, please call 243-6833 or toll free at 877-404. <coughs> 4747. And don't forget, this and many other IRIS programs are available from our website at iowaradioreading.org. Now we return to the Telegraph Herald, beginning with the obituaries. Robert J. Conley Robert J. Bob Conley, 65, of Dubuque, Iowa, <clears throat> passed away on Wednesday, January 17, 2024, at the University of Iowa Hospital and Clinics, following a brief illness. Visitation will be from 3 to 7 p.m. on Monday, January 22, 2024, at Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory, 2595 Rockdale Road, where a wake service will be at 3 p.m. Mass of Christian Burial will be at 10.30 a.m. on Tuesday, January 23rd, at St. Joseph Key West Church, with Monsignor Thomas Toll officiating. Additional visitation starting at 9 a.m. will be held at the church on Tuesday. The burial will be in Mount Olivet Cemetery. Bob was born on August 30, 1958 in Dubuque, the son of Cletus and Jerry Hayes Connolly. He graduated in 1976 from Dubuque Senior High School and attended Iowa State University. He worked for Rainbow Tire 
Farmold Industries, Wright Height, and was self-employed on the family farm. Bob had a passion for farming since childhood. He loved working on the family farm and attended many farm progress shows. Bob also loved music, especially rock bands from the 70s and 80s. Bob followed NASCAR and attended <coughs> many races. He was an avid Green Bay Packer and Iowa State Cyclone fan. He was a devout Catholic and a parishioner at St. Joe's Key West. Recently, he has been faithfully escorting his mother to Sunday Mass each week at Bethany Home. He was a proud uncle of his nieces and nephews. His final act of generosity was the donation of his organs to the Iowa Donor Network and UIHC to be used for transplant and research. Bob was so very kind and compassionate, he will be deeply missed. He is survived by his mother, Jerry Conley, sisters, Kathy McCullough, Diane Randy Pancratz, and uh, Susan Conley, brothers, Mike, Karen Conley, and Bill, Kim Conley, nephews, nieces, many cousins, friends, and his beloved dog, Zoe. He was preceded in death by his father, Cletus Conley, brothers-in-law, Mike McCullough and Leo Pancratz, along with his grandparents and several aunts, uncles, and cousins. The family wishes to thank the doctors and nurses at Unity Point Finley in Dubuque and to the Neurology ICU at the University of Iowa Hospital for their wonderful care. Also, Pat Leonard and his staff at Leonard Funeral Home for their kindness and compassion. Marilyn J. Lloyd. Marilyn John Palmer Lloyd, 93, of Prairie Bird, passed away at the Gutenberg Care Center on Monday, January 15, 2024. Mass of Christian burial will be held at 10.30 Saturday, February 3, 2024, at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Prairie Bird, with internment in the St. Joseph Cemetery. Friends may call after 9 o'clock Saturday at the church. Thoughts, memories, and condolences may be left at www.gotshotonline.com. Gotch uh, Funeral Home in Monticello has taken Marilyn and the family into their care. Marilyn was born at the Willows Maternity Sanatorium outside Kansas City, Missouri on October 29, 1930. Imogene Johnson of uh, Excelsior Springs, Missouri she was adopted by Chester and Ethel Miller Palmer in, of Marysville, Kansas, 10 days after her birth. Marilyn spent her childhood growing up in Coon Rapids, Iowa. Later, she moved with her family to Olden, Iowa, where she attended high school and graduated in 1948. Marilyn married Edward Glenn Lloyd of Hale, Iowa, June 7, 1948. They farmed near Wyoming, Iowa, and later moved south of Prairie Burg in 1957 to farm and raise their four children. Throughout Marin's life, she worked at Rockwell Collins in Anamosa in Cedar Rapids before retiring. She worked at City State Bank in Central City, where she helped with many civic activities and volunteering in the rural communities. Marilyn made sure that all her children and grandchildren could play poker, shoot a firearm, and know Jesus. Her passion for living her your best life, history, hard work, and being an Irish Democrat will never be missed. 
surviving are her children who surround her, four grandchildren, six grandchildren, and she is preceded in death by her parents, her husband, her birth mother, uh, a daughter, Denise, two sons-in-law, and a grandson, John Lawrence. Dale L. Lonning. Dr. Dale L. Lonning, age 52, of Dubuque, Iowa, completed his earthly journey on January 15th at the University of Iowa Hospital and Clinics while surrounded by his loving family. To honor Dale's life, a private service is being held at Grandview Methodist Church. Dale was born on November 22, 1971, in Waukon, Iowa, the youngest son of Frank and Revelyn Roby Lonning. He was raised with a strong work ethic and a kind and generous spirit. Dale earned his bachelor's degree from Simpson College and completed his doctorate in chiropractic at Palmer College before he and his wife, Danielle Heck Lonning, moved to Dubuque to begin their careers and start a family. Danielle was sadly called home ahead of Dale on April 12, 2019. If there is any peace to be found, it's simply that he and Danielle are now reunited again for all eternity. Those left behind to cherish the memory of Dale include his two adored daughters, Alexis Lexi Lonning, Asbury, Iowa, and Ava Lonning, Asbury, Iowa. His parents, Revelyn Lonning, Wakan, Iowa, and Frank, Donna Mae Lonning, Wakan, Iowa. His siblings, Lori, Ron Moore, Lilliburn, Georgia, Michelle, Jerry, Donahue, Wakan, Iowa, Sharon, Dan Larson, Columbia Heights, Minnesota, Becky, Tim Paxton, LeClaire, Iowa, and Bob, Audrey Lonning, Wakan, Iowa. His step siblings, James, Kim, May, Palm Harbor, Florida, Stacy Jubal Sniker, St. Charles, Minnesota, and Jennifer Josh Teff Janke, Dorchester, Iowa. His in-laws, Jerry Catherine Heck, Asbury, Iowa, and Darcy Dandy Carlo Heck, Chicago, Illinois, along with numerous nieces, nephews, and extended family. Dale was preceded in death by his beautiful wife, Danielle L. Heck Lonning. In view of flowers, donations in honor of Dale may be made to G.H. Foundation. G.H. Foundation is a charitable organization Dale and his children actively support. Frederick Kohler, Cheryl, Iowa. Frederick K. Fred Kohler, 87, of Cheryl, passed away Tuesday, January 16, 2024. Private funeral services were held. The Egelhoff, Sigurd, and Casper Funeral Home is in charge of arrangements. Fred was born March 26, 1936, in Dubuque, son of Dewey and Rose uh, Lawfoltz Kohler. On May 2, 1959, he married Thelma Dosner at Faith United Methodist Church. 
Fred served in the Army and National Guard. He worked at John Deere Dubuque Works for 30 years, retiring in 1990. He enjoyed fishing, hunting, gardening, playing cards, and bowling. He was an active Cubs fan, avid Cubs fan. He is survived by his wife, Thelma of Cheryl, three children, Kim and Jeff Spearer of Cheryl, Deborah Roy, Romans of North Liberty, and Steve, Mary Lou Kohler of Dubuque, seven grandchildren, ten great-grandchildren. He is also survived by two siblings, Jane K Jentz and Bill Kohler. He was preceded in death by his sister, Viola, a brother-in-law, Clarence, and his parents. The family would like to thank the nurses and staff members at Unity Point ICU and, and Five North for all of their wonderful care. Stephanie L. Elon, <coughs> Bettendorf, Iowa. Stephanie Lynn Elon, 43, of Bettendorf, formerly of Dubuque, died Wednesday, January 17th at Luther Manor Grand Meadows in Asbury following a short illness. Visitation will be held from 9 until 10.45 a.m. on Wednesday, January 24th at the Church of the Resurrection, 4300 Asbury Road, Dubuque. The Mass of Christian Burial for Stephanie will be at 11 a.m. on Wednesday, January 24th uh, at Church of the Resurrection with Father Phil Gibbs as the celebrant. Barry will be at Resurrection Cemetery, Dubuque. Stephanie was born April 24, 1980, in Dubuque, the daughter of Jeffrey John and Janice May Vasky Ball. At, on July 3, 2010, she was united in marriage to James Jim Eline in Dubuque. She graduated from Wallard High School in 1998. Stephanie was a member of the Church of the Resurrection in Dubuque and St. John Vianney in, in Bettendorf. Survivors include her husband, Jim Eline of Bettendorf, uh, two children, Leo and Elizabeth Eline, four brothers, Josh, Sarah Ball <coughs> of Asbury, Iowa, Jonathan Kayla Ball of Makokota, Justin Molly Ball of Bernard, and Jacob Nicole Ball of Dubuque. Seventeen nieces and nephews, and several aunts, uncles, and cousins. She was preceded in death by her parents, grandparents, father-in-law, Leonard Eline, her godfather, Terry Ball, and an uncle, Mark Monahan. The family would like to extend a special thank you to Hospice of Dubuque, her care team at Finley and Luther Manor Grand Meadows, and all of the family and friends for their care and support. Hoffman Schneider and Kitchen Funeral Home and Crematory is in care of the arrangements. Jerome A. Heffel. Jerome A. Jerry Heffel, 84, of Dubuque, Iowa, passed away on January 17, 2024, at Mercy One Medical Center. Visitation will be from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on Saturday, January 27th uh, at Holy Spirit Parish Holy Ghost Church. A funeral mass will be held at 12 p.m. with Father Steve Garner officiating. A private burial will be held at Mount Calvary Cemetery. Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory 
Dubuque is assisting the family. He married the love of his life, Sharon Wig, on May 13, 1961, at Holy Ghost Church in Dubuque. Jerry was a devoted, lifelong fan of the Chicago Cubs and Green Bay Packers. He also enjoyed following Iowa Hawkeyes. Jerry was loved and adored by his family, who was known for his fun-loving spirit and playful sense of humor. Jerry is survived by four children, Steve Diane Heffel and Jack Michelle Heffel of Piazza, Iowa, Julie Steve DeWitt and Bill Maneka of Dubuque, Iowa. Grandchildren, Lindsay Petrosek, Abby Heffel, Nikki Vondra, Megan Timmerman, Jared and Alexa Heffel and Eric Heffel, step-grandchildren, Krista Cruz, Elena and Jalen, great-grandchildren, Rosemary Petrosuk, Lucy Henry, Oliver and Thea Vondra, and Benson and Baylor Timberman, step-great-grandchildren, Caleb and Alice Rumpel, three siblings, Marilyn, Mike, Nitz, Rancho Palace, Verde, California, Donna Reed, Rockford, Illinois, and Grace Green, three brothers-in-law, and many nieces and nephews. Jerry was preceded in death by his loving wife, Sharon, his parents, George and Emma Heffel, sister Irene, brothers Kenneth, Lyle, and Richard, parents-in-law, James and Marcella Wig, two sisters-in-law, and three brothers-in-law. The family would like to thank Dr. Katie Parker at Mercy One and a special thank you to Linda Kenkel, Patient Safety, for all her help and compassion. Susan L. Bonnet of East Dubuque, Illinois. Susan Bonnet, 79, of East Dubuque, died on Friday, January 19, 2024. Visitation will be held from 4 to 7, Friday, January 26, at Miller Funeral Home in East Dubuque, a mass of Christian burial will take place at 10.30 a.m. Saturday, January 27th at St. Mary's Catholic Church in East Dubuque. LaVon M. Ruff LaVon Mary Ruff Nee Grant, <coughs> 86 of Bellevue, Iowa, passed away on January 18th at home. Friends and family may visit from 4 to 7 p.m. on Tuesday, January 23rd at Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory, 2595 Rockdale Road, with a wake service to begin at 4 p.m. Mass of Christian burial will be held on Wednesday, January 24th at St. Joseph Catholic Church, Key West, with Monsignor Thomas Toll officiating. Burial will be in Mount Olivet Cemetery. LaVon Mary Grant was born on August 7th, 1937, to Clement Henry Grant and Mary Agnes Pitts Grant. She went to a one-room schoolhouse near Scales Mound, Illinois. She graduated from Scales Mound High School in 1955. Remigius Ruff and LaVon married December 31, 1956. Remigius was in the U.S. Army for two years. Together they had three children, Stephen J. Ruff, Deborah Jean Ruff, and Jeffrey Clement Ruff. Sadly, Deborah Jean Ruff and Jeffrey Clement. Sadly, Deborah Jean Ruff passed away on September 17, 2012. Lavana survived by her children, Stephen Sally Ruff and Jeffrey Ruff. 
nine grandchildren, uh, great grand, uh, several great grandchildren, son-in-law and brother, sisters, uh, Pamela, Bruce, Grant, and Norman Wolf. She is preceded in death by her husband, Remigius, daughters, Deborah Jean Burnett, three brothers, Clement, Merlin Grant, Patrick Donald Grant, and Robert Orlin Grant, grandparents, Patrick and Anna McDermott Grant, and John B. and Anna Peters Pitts. She wants to give thanks to Jeffrey for all he did for her, especially taking her out to eat and doctor's appointments, and for all of his patients. She sends her love to her grandchildren for always being there for her. Love to all. Sarah E. Smith. Sarah Elizabeth Eichhorn Smith, 84, completed her earthly journey on Monday, January 8, 2024. Visitation will be Saturday, January 27th, from 8.30 to 11 a.m. at St. Anthony Church, followed by Mass of Christian Burial at 11 a.m. with celebrant Steve Rosanke. A live stream of Sarah's funeral mass will be available. Born on June 3, 1939 in Dubuque, Sarah was the daughter of Roy and Mary Degendorf of Eichhorn. Those left to cherish Sarah's memory include her loving husband, Roger, of 60 years, seven children, Steve and Tracy, Rod, um, Mark, Mike, and Carolyn, Althaus, Laura, Brian, Frank, nine children, grandchildren, Nicholas, Shane, Jessica, Daniel, Luke, Jake, Noah, Emma, and Harper, two great-grandchildren, Quinn and Finley, brother, William, one brother-in-law, Terrence Smith, two sisters-in-law, Carlene and Holly Smith, and many nieces and nephews. Sarah was an active member of St. Anthony Parish for 58 years, serving on the Parish Council, the Liturgy Committee, and several other committees. She was an RN who worked at the Red Cross Blood Services for 20 years. She went to Haiti several times with medical teams and again later with St. Anthony volunteer teams to give spiritual aid to their sister parish. Above all, she loved her family and supported them in everything they did. She attended many of their school activities, plays, and sporting events. She would do anything for every one of them. Preceding her in death were her parents, an infant brother, James, mother and father-in-law, Dorothy and Sev Smith, uh, uh, sister-in-law, Barb, and her husband, Andy Selenia, brother-in-law, Paul Smith, and, and, uh, and nephew, Dan Welch. The Smith family is grateful to Kelly, Cortini, and Amber with Hospice of Dubuque, Marta Eichhorn, and Cordy Waz, MP for providing wonderful care and comfort to Sarah and her family at the end of her life. Brenda McKinney of Galena, Illinois. Brenda McKinney, 70, of Galena, died on Wednesday, January 17th. Services will take place at 2 p.m. Thursday, January 25th at Furlong Funeral Chapel in Galena. Bertina A. Miller. Berdina Ann Miller, 89, of Asbury, passed away peacefully into the arms of Jesus on Thursday, January 18th 
at Riverbend Retirement Community Cascade, surrounded by her loving family. Visitation will be from 9 to 10, 15 a.m. Monday, January 22nd, at St. Peter's Lutheran Church, followed by the funeral service at 10.30. Burial will be in Linwood Cemetery. Berdina was born February 28, 1934, in Elkader, Iowa, daughter of Harvey and Leona Gottschalk Miller. She was our beloved Aunt B and sister, who was known for her sweetness and readiness with a smile and laugh. She was a graduate of Dubuque Senior High School. Berdina, also known as Birdie, worked for 42 years at Eagle Supermarket on South Locust until she spent another 28 years retired. She enjoyed golfing and traveling in her younger years. She adored her cats, doted on her many nieces and nephews, enjoyed time with family, playing games and tending to her vegetable garden. She was a member of St. Peter's Lutheran Church. She is survived by her sister Reva Marie John Ogden of Granite City, Illinois, and numerous nieces, nephews, and cousins. Sister-in-law Mary Miller, brother-in-law Mike Call. She was preceded in death by her brothers Dale, Charlotte, Charles, Harley, and Carl Debbie Miller, a sister Norma Miller Call, parents and stepmother Lula Miller. The Eaglehoff Siegert and Casper Funeral Home is in charge of arrangements. Memorials may be made to St. Peter's Lutheran Church or disabled American veterans. Extra special thanks to her niece, Linda Buddy, who loved Bernina like a sister and oversaw much of her care in her later years. Warm thanks to Riverbend Retirement and Hospice of Dubuque for your compassion and care. Mary Catherine Zapp. Mary Catherine Zapp of Dubuque, Iowa, passed away on January 17, 2024, at Harmony Nursing Home in Dubuque, Iowa. A memorial mass will be at 10 a.m. on Saturday, January 27th, at St. Columbkill Catholic Church with David Schatz officiating. Private burial will be at St. Mary's Cemetery in East Dubuque, Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory Dubuque, Iowa is assisting the family. Mary Catherine was born March 11, 1937, to Elvira Mayer and Herbert J. Zapp. She attended grade school at St. Mary's in East Dubuque and high school at Immaculate Conception Academy in Dubuque. She received an RN degree at St. Anthony's Hospital School of Nursing in Rock Island. She attended Methodist <coughs> Medical Center in Des Moines, um, for substance abuse counselor training and Carlson College of Massage Therapy in Anamosa. She is, some know Mary Catherine as a wild woman. She loved being around children. She loved nature and walking in the woods and being by the river. She enjoyed sledding, swimming, arranging flowers. <clears throat> Mary Catherine is surrounded by cousins, nephews, and nieces. She was preceded in death by her parents. In lieu of flowers, memorials may be made to Dubuque Arboretum and to Hospice of Dubuque. Jacqueline A. Blindhurt, Potosi, Wisconsin. Jacqueline A. Blindhurt, 75, of Potosi, died on Thursday, January 18, 2024. Private services will be held. A celebration of life will take place at a later date. 
Private burial will be in St. Andrew's Cemetery in Tennyson. Martin Schwartz Family Home in Lancaster is assisting the family. Richard H. Rawling, Schillsburg of Wisconsin. Richard H. Rawling, 70, of Schillsburg and formerly of Galena, Illinois, died on Friday, January 19, 2024. Arrangements are pending. Hoggenschild Funeral Home and Cremation Services of Cuba City is assisting the family. Glenn E. Glasgow. Glenn E. Glasgow, 62, of East Dubuque, passed away unexpectedly on Sunday, January 14, at Mercy One Dubuque Medical Center. Visitation will be from 4 to 7 on Tuesday, January 23rd, at Miller Funeral Home in East Dubuque. A celebration of life will be held later. Glenn was born on March 11th in Trenton, Michigan. At March 11, 1961, in Trenton, Michigan, the son of Dwight E. and Patricia L. Burroughs, Glasgow. Glenn was a team leader at Anderson Window and Door Company in Dubuque, where he was set to retire on March 11, 2024. He loved playing cards, especially euchre and cribbage, was an avid football fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, and enjoyed spending time with his children and grandchildren. Surviving our three children, Bob Joyce Jacques of Southgate, Michigan, Amy Ted Hinderman of Hazel Green, Wisconsin, and Travis Samantha Glasgow of Galena, Illinois, seven grandchildren, a sister Peggy, Gary Carpenter of Eagle Rock, Missouri, four nephews and three nieces. He was preceded in death by his parents, Dwight and Patricia. Glenn's family wishes to express their sincere thanks to the members of the East Dubuque Fire, EMS and Police Department, Joe Davies County Sheriff's Department and Mercy One Dubuque Medical Staff for their quick response and care given to our father. Online condolences may be left for the family at www.miller dash f-h-e-d dot com Richard E. Wald, Cheryl, Iowa Richard Edward Wald, 82, of Cheryl, formerly of Durango, passed away on January 18, 2024 Richard was born on August 8, 1941, the son of Richard B. and Genevieve Mitchell Wald He attended Dubuque Senior High School He was united in marriage to Karen Dini on November 27, 1958 at Holy Trinity Catholic Church in Dubuque. They shared 65 wonderful years as husband and wife. He was a self-made, self-employed man. He owned and operated vacation land boat sales and reliable auto recyclers in the Dubuque area for many years. He is survived by his wife Karen, three children, two grandchildren, five great-grandchildren, and a sister, Deborah. He is preceded in death by his parents, two sisters, and two granddaughters. Per Richard's wishes, no public services will be held. Donna J. Less Donna J. Less, 69, of Dubuque, passed away on November 16th at Luther Manor Communities Hillcrest. The celebration of life will be held at Happy's Place in Dubuque from 1 to 4 p.m. on January 27th. Private family burial will be at St. John's Cemetery in Placid, Iowa. Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory is assisting the family. 
Donna was born on January 19th in Ball, 1954 in Balltown, Iowa, daughter of John Henry and Rita W. Schmidt-Potoff. She graduated from Dubuque Senior High School and was united in marriage to Albert Less in 1980 at St. Anthony's Church in Dubuque. She worked at Fromos and Wright Height, cutting and sewing. She is survived by her two sons, Keith and Anthony, grandchildren, uh, all of Dubuque. She is preceded in death by her husband, Alan, her parents, and two brothers-in-law, Danny Anderson and Jim Grady. The family wishes to thank the staff of Luther Manor and Hospice of Dubuque for their care of Donna. This brings us to the end of today's reading of the Telegraph Herald for January 21st. I'm your reader, Lois. And Helen. Support for this reading comes from the Dupaco R.W. Hofer Foundation. The Telegraph Herald can be heard each weekday at 2 p.m. All programs heard on IRIS are intended solely for the blind and print handicapped. If you have any questions or comments on this or any IRIS program, please call our office toll-free at 877-404-4747. Thanks for listening.